Welcome back in. You were listening to the July 6, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. And we are brought to you by the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a former writer for Sportable.is, uh, messer around of things at Backyard Banter, former analyst at NFL.com, creator of the Reception Perception. Boy, young boy, bring your beer in now. The newly acclaimed boy, Yahoo boy, writing over at Yahoo.com. Welcome to the show, Matt Harmon. You can find him on the tweets at Matt Harmon underscore, you guessed it, BYB. Great to have you back on the mailbag show. Matt, man, what is good? It's a good time uh, to be to be in my life, I guess. Like this is, you know, we're preparing for a kind of a season of transition here, starting over at Yahoo. Like you mentioned, my first day is actually on Monday, so uh, very excited to finally get rolling there. Um, you know, the, the corporate world, it takes forever to like for these things to happen. You know, like I pretty much like cemented, okay, like in my mind, like all right, yeah, I'm I'm going to Yahoo, like basically over a month ago, and it's like all right, now <laughs> this is taking so long to get rolling, but uh, that's just kind of what what how things happen in the real world. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited, man, and and I'm really excited to talk to you today uh, about all these questions we've got on the mailbag. Well, I'm sure the last month or so at NFL.com wasn't like a Mackinac, in fact. Like, you weren't just kind of going through the motions. You did not have your sights, uh, you know, going forward at Yahoo. But we're, you know, we're going to avoid the Mackinac effect and going through the motions here as we answer all the offseason questions for the week. So let's dive right in here. But before we do, Matt, uh, it is the offseason. When I say offseason, I mean it's the offseason. But things are picking up. We're starting to hear a little bit more about what coaches want to do. And on this show, we've been talking a lot about, uh, late round best ball picks. I got to say I was kind of sort of into Marlon Mack before I grew a draft crush on Naheem Hines, but you have an even bigger diamond in the rough for that backfield. Talk to us about one Jordan Wilkins. Yeah, Jordan Wilkins is someone that I've been having my eye on pretty much throughout like the early draft season, you know, best ball leagues on whether you're playing a play draft or MFL 10s. Like he's a guy you could pretty consistently get. I, I draft a lot on, on, and I'm not getting paid to say this on the play draft app, at, you know, <laughs> on my phone. Cause it's just, so, it's just so fun. and so easy. And he's a guy that you can pretty consistently get kind of in those last few rounds. Um, and it makes sense as a dart throw uh, to me because, you know, obviously the elephant in the room with the Colts offense is whether Andrew Luck is going to be back there or not. You know, assuming that he is, a guy like Wilkins who can certainly be that early down running back uh, is definitely worth taking a shot on there at that final round. Um, you know, even if he's just there, especially in a best ball, like if he's there part of the season as the starter, like you're still getting those weeks there eventually. Um, and, and I really don't think there's any any reason to assume that he can't win an early down role here over Marlon Mack. Mack was a guy who flashed big playability as a rookie, but a lot of his carries went for zero or negative yards. I don't think that he's a guy who profiles as a sustaining running back, um, more of just a splash play guy. You know, he's had injuries in the offseason that could keep him from winning that job. Um, I like Naheem Hines a lot. I'm certainly, I've been drafting him as well. Um, he has a really exciting potential role. Um, in that offense, if Andrew Luck is back there as sort of like a, a pass, you know, a James White type of player, maybe for, for what he does with New England. I think that Hines can grab that role, but Wilkins can still be valuable as an early down banger for sure. Now, we all know you kind of have a soft spot for grading wide receivers via your perception and reception work. For those in RV Nation that might not know, where can we find all the reception perception ultimate draft kit? That's the UDK, uh, work and give us a quick elevator pitch about the work. 
Sure. So, yeah, if you're not familiar with reception perception, it's the methodology that I use to evaluate wide receivers where I go in over an eight game sample for NFL players and chart every single route they run over that game. You know, I chart how often they run each route, uh, how often they get on open on each route against what type of coverages are they most successful. And then there's also, you know, some ancillary metrics like contested catch rate, what they do after the catch. So basically, like anything you want to know about a wide receiver, reception perception is going to tell you that. Um, and it's something that I think helps fantasy players kind of categorize and understand wide receivers better, you know, which helps you make weekly lineup decisions better. It makes you, it helps you make better decisions on draft day. And that's why I've partnered with the fantasy footballers for the second year to put the work in their ultimate draft kit. And when you, if you purchase the ultimate draft kit, which you can do at receptionperception.com, there's a link to, to do that. You'll get access to all of, all of the data that I've charted for the 2018 season. Profiles on over 50 NFL players, route metrics across the entire league. Um, and it's stuff that you can't really get access to anywhere else. And it's fun. It's been fun to do this for another offseason in full because this is actually the fourth year that I've collected reception perception data. And I feel like I understand the work uh, so much better now than I did, you know, two, three, four years ago. I, I made some statements based off reception perception then that I would not now really understanding more of what the data is telling us. So it's been a fun offseason to do this work. And yeah, if listeners are interested in finding out more about it, you can check out the hashtag reception perception on Twitter, or again, just go to receptionperception.com. There's a, a intro article there and as well as a link to purchase uh, the ultimate draft kit. Very good. Now you personally, as we mentioned, were just acquired via free agency. Maybe you were like a restricted free agent, but uh, LeBron ain't got <laughs> nothing on Harmon. Uh, well, certainly Rajan Rondo doesn't have anything on Harmon. I mean, you know, we've definitely got that going for us. So <laughs> what's in store for you over at Yahoo starting on Monday? Yeah, this was, it's funny talking about like free agency process. This wasn't something I was expecting, um, but Yahoo made a great offer and it was you know, just absolutely wasn't something I could say no to. Um, so wasn't expecting to move away from NFL.com, but, um, yeah, now that it's official, I'm moving on, looking, looking towards what I'm going to be doing at Yahoo. And honestly, it's a lot of exciting stuff. You know, I, you know, I mentioned that my start dates on Monday, I'm like ready and ready to roll over there. Uh, I was just so excited during the interview process, kind of really them presenting sort of just a, a blank slate role, kind of doing what you want with it. Um, and, you know, we'll be doing a lot of focus on kind of cultivating their brand on social media, which means, I guess, just what, if you hate my Twitter personality, you're, I guess you'll probably just see more of it, which is unfortunate <laughs> for you, I guess. Um, but on the written side and content side, they're definitely interested in doing a lot with perception perception. So you can expect to see some of that, you know, in written form at Yahoo, in video form at Yahoo. And I think just really you're going to see kind of what, I, what I've done so far in my career, just expand that. And, you know, that's really exciting. When you go through an interview process and they're like, hey, we really like what you do and we want to, you know, boost it up on our platform, you know, whether it's on social media or in written and, and video form, um, it's really exciting. So I think you can expect to see a lot more of me, which uh, if, you, if you hate that, uh, sorry, <laughs> but we're, it, it's what's coming. No, it's, it's a beautiful thing. We are very pleased and happy to see you make another transition onward and upward, as they say. And we want to make sure everyone is making onward and upward transitions to their fantasy championships. So get on over to rotaviz.com. Uh, That's the 30% discount to a Rotaviz NFL pass through the 
NFL podcast homepage at rotaviz.com slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content and it supports this pod. You can also support this show by subscribing to and rating the Rotaviz channel on iTunes. Do that, you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league hosted by our folks over at the FFPC. Just go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotaviz writers and podcasters, email us. We're his radio at gmail.com we'll go ahead and get that set up and if you are a fan of this show and want to sub directly to the fantasy football mailbag feed do so it takes hard work getting the show out every week and we do enjoy a solid so hit that rate button and of course last but not least if you have any questions you want answered on the show email us word of his radio at gmail.com and we'll go ahead and get that answered for you all right man let's dive right in and fire up some of these qqs for the week all right best ball Hey, Gummy, loving the show and keep up the good work. Thanks, pal. I started diving into Superflex best balls at FFPC and need a take on Josh Rosen. How viable is he for the format? What are your uh, odds that he sees the field this year? I'm not looking to take him too early, but definitely in the latter part of the draft. Does he have a better chance of seeing the field than someone like Lamar Jackson or even Baker Maygoat? That's Mayfield to all the kids out there. <laughs> to all the kids who aren't aren't hip with uh with with Baker. Yeah, I think that I think he probably has equal odds with all of these guys. I'd probably say that each of them has a veteran starter in front of them that is on shaky ground. Um maybe the most honestly maybe the most secure of them is Tyrod Taylor who's sitting in front of Baker Mayfield just because I think right now he's the best quarterback of the three being Sam Bradford and Joe Flacco obviously the other two candidates there so if if that's what keeps Baker off the field I would understand that um but at the same time like for for Josh Rosen he's not been somebody that's been on my radar I, you know I've done a handful of superflex mocks mocks this offseason um but not necessarily best ball mocks so he's he's viable but not somebody that I'm going out of my way to target because if he makes it, so say all three of these guys make it onto the field this year I think that Rosen would probably be the least fantasy viable overall um Lamar Jackson I think would be the most consequential simply because uh I think he, obviously with the rushing ability he's he's going to be a fantasy factor you know regardless of what he does as a passer but I like Lamar Jackson as a passer and I'm a fan of their kind of revamp receiving core there with the old reception perception favorites like uh, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and uh, Willie Sneed. And and Baker Mayfield, I think, will have a chance to succeed as well because they have just a bevy of weapons in Cleveland. So Rosen's not really a guy that, that I've been targeting. Obviously, any sort of potential starting quarterback is viable for a super flex league, especially in best ball, but not someone that I'm I'm going out of my way to, to locate. I'm trying to decipher when we heard the sirens in the background, Matt, if that was because they did not like your tie goat, uh, tie god <laughs> over, over Sam Bradford take. I'm, I'm a Bradford apologist, of course, or if the sirens are going because he just busted his knee again. I'm, I can't really decipher. <laughs> With Bradford. Well, we're going to talk about my best and worst purchases, uh, and it's not a purchase, but this apartment that I'm living in, the location down the street from the uh, fire fire station, probably not one of the better decisions I've made, but uh, <laughs> I, I think there's definitely some viability to both uh, both options you threw out there as possible reasons. Very good. All right, is it far-fetched to think Michael Thomas can outproduce uh, from the same range as OBJ and Julio? I want uh, I won't give him Antonio Brown or DeAndre Hopkins level, but I want to keep him for this year and have to spend a first to do so it would be a late first so yeah what do you think on this i got no problem or qualms if you want to sacrifice a late first for michael thomas i mean you know 
passing volume regression, all that jazz. I mean, Michael Thomas, I, I'd say the ceiling's pretty high there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I really like Michael Thomas. He had uh, the second best rookie season I've had in reception perception, obviously this side of Odell Beckham, who's mentioned in the question here as well. Um, he's a really good player overall, I think, apart from Drew Brees. I know a lot of people have those, you know, those questions about how good is Thomas really apart from the fact that he's in one of the most prolific and efficient passing offenses of this era. Um, I think he's really good on his own. Not that that matters too much. I mean, for fantasy, he's in a super secure role there as the top target. And, you know, if you look at the rest of the Saints passing game, you know, outside of Alvin Kamara, can you really say that they have another high quality passing game weapon? I think Cameron Meredith could absolutely be that player. And he's somebody that I like to take later in drafts this year. But obviously coming off an injury and moving to a new team, there are questions there as well. So I don't really think there's anything holding back Michael Thomas. Um, yeah, again, I don't know about AB or Hopkins level, but there's no doubt he could produce in that same range as Beckham and Julio, especially as you mentioned, this offense probably primed to pass a little bit more this year. All right, you alluded to it. Uh, your best and worst purchases you've ever made. Break it down. So best purchase I've ever made is a, a cold brew maker. Just a simple, is you know, like just pretty cheap, thing that you know you you put the co- you grind up the coffee beans you put it in the the little bottle you fill it up with water you leave it for a day and like 24 hours later you're making cold brew at home and the reason I like this is because I'm a big coffee drinker um I probably don't sleep enough and uh I just I like to have it ready to go in the morning like when I'm rushing around uh to get out of my apartment and get into the you know former NFL office, soon to be Yahoo office. You know I've got to walk the dog in the morning. I've got to do my hair, which obviously is a whole other process in and of itself. <laughs> uh, you know all those things take a time. I don't really have time to sit there and make coffee. And I don't you know I don't mess around with a Keurig anymore at this point in my life because I like to drink real coffee. Uh, so I don't have time to sit there with like fr- my French press or anything like that. So to have the cold brew ready to go in the morning, kind of get before you can get in the office and start drinking that free coffee. Uh, it's a nice uh, it's a nice little supplement there. And worst purchase, honestly, I'm trying to get better about like making overall terrible purchases. Like I went through a phase in my life where I was just like inefficiently buying, you know, small things. Um, and I'm trying to get better about that. So I don't know about worst purchase I've ever made. It's probably something for, I would say like just this, these handful of like cheap dog toys that I've gotten. Uh, for, for Charlie that he just wrecks, you know, within five minutes of purchasing. And those are honestly like, oh, cool. That was just $10 like down the drain. So that's probably <laughs> the thing I'm trying to get most efficient about is like finding, you know, good quality dog toys that he won't destroy like right after I, I buy them. So like these handful of just ripped apart ducks and bear little <laughs> plush things that he's destroyed. Those are probably the worst. Cause honestly, there's probably like triple digits, uh, dollar amounts that he's just, you know, ripped the, the fluff out of. Shamelessly. I'm going to have to get a link from you for that cold brew. I enjoy a good iced coffee here from time to time. And, uh, it's, it's a lot easier to do the cold brew than what I've been doing is just brewing coffee and then letting it chill overnight. That's just rather invasive and un- unnecessary. And, and my, my wife subscribes to like these, these Facebook, uh, mommy shopping discount sites. So she's always getting these stupid little knickknacks every which way. I mean, I saw one of those doormats that says hide packages from my husband for the likes of Amazon and whatnot. I'm going to have to get her one of those because she's always buying these little things that just break within a couple days. I must say though, some of them, some of them aren't too bad, but, uh, yeah, I, I think you guys are in the same boat there. So we'll, we'll keep you two apart. 
Uh, best ball, what do we got here? What's your earliest you're willing to take Edelman, given his suspension appeal? He's always there in the fifth. It's hard not to take him. If his suspension holds up, am I spending too much? Yeah, well, now we know the suspension is going to hold up. Um, I don't necessarily think you're spending too much in a best ball league because you know once he comes back, he has a pretty secure role. Um, you know, for this season at least, I think he's fine. Um, you know, we know the Patriots are ruthless and will move on from anybody, but if you just look across their passing game right now, they don't, outside of Gronk and Chris Hogan, they don't really have another established name outside of Edelman. So I think he's going to walk back into a high target volume role. Um, and in best ball, it's easier to just kind of spend that fifth and just let it go for the first four weeks and you can plan around taking him maybe somebody with a soft early season schedule that you want to get at the wide receiver position later. Maybe you want to, you know, sort of do a, a pseudo handcuff with like Julie, uh, uh, Jordan Matthews later on. Um, I, I don't know. You can plan around it, but in, in a redraft league, I'm, I'm not going to take Edelman at that price, but for best ball, I think it's fine. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Next one, Dynasty. I'm about to do a draft uh, startup, and based on where I'm picking, I'll likely be looking at either Saquon Barkley or Le'Veon Bell. Do you take Bell and start up for a championship or take the years with Saquon? This is a really tough question because generally I don't just, you know, offhandedly break uh, break ties in the favor of youth simply because it's a Dynasty league. Uh, but in this situation, I am – Really tempted to take uh, Saquon over Le'Veon Bell. I know the volume that Bell has gotten with Pittsburgh over the last few years is almost, is pretty much unprecedented for the running back position today, um, and it's hard not to just lock in that that sort of that situation with Bell there. But I think Barkley could get to that territory, and even if not, I do think he is going to be a really great running back for a really long time. And I don't know. I'm just I'm a little worried about. Bell simply because of all the volume he's taken. Obviously, he's had injuries in the past. I'm not so much focused on that, but I I kind of get the feeling, and, and I could be totally wrong about this. So you know, keep that in mind. Um, I think that there's a really good chance that you know the Steelers are just kind of playing Bell, and we'll just let him walk at the end of this year. You know, and he'll get overpaid by you know he'll be the, the Dolphins. Uh, you know, next big free agent signing that doesn't work out uh, and he'll waste away on some other team there. So I don't know. That's just a total, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy thing. But if you look at the way they played the situation, I think it's pretty obvious they don't want to commit to big money to Bell long term, the type that he's wanting to get. And some other team will probably acquiesce to that request simply based on history and name value. Yeah, I'm with you there. Give me the years on Saquon. I don't see the range of outcomes being too disparate between the two there at the top to forego the additional years you're going to get us out of Saquon in that offense. And I'm, I'm with you that, you know, there, there, there have been at least enough alarms going off about Levy and at, at this point where even in a redraft, like I think you're fine taking them, but I mean, I, I'd, I'd still rather take Gurley, I'd rather have David Johnson just because, I mean, you know, it, it's a freak bone bruise, right? I mean, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's a strong chance Le'Veon's going to still keep being Le'Veon, but I'd, I'd rather take the, the young up-and-coming backs that are still guaranteed similar type of production there. Um, all right, Matt, if you had to become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be? This was a tough question for me because I'm definitely somebody that likes to be, you know, kind of stimulated by different environments and, you know, whether it's being at different, you know, different 
locations or different, uh, you know, going like outside versus inside. I think it would be tough to be an inanimate object that just, that just has to, you know, be stationary. I guess you could be like a, you know, a phone or something like that. But I thought of like a hanging decoration above a bar because at least in that situation, you're going to get a lot. We all know that interesting conversations happen, you know, at bars (laughs) almost more than anything else. I mean, you're definitely going to have to filter through some, some stupid stuff too, you know, like two bros reliving their glory days or whatever. Like you're going to have to hear those dumb conversations at a bar, but at least you're going to get a lot of interesting people, a lot of you know, kind of action through the day. But also I want to be sort of a hanging decoration because I don't want to, you know, have to deal with like people knocking me over or God forbid, like vomiting on me or something like that. So definitely something that's above, you know, head level, but over overhanging the barb so that you can at least get some, it's basically like you're listening to kind of like talk radio for out throughout, throughout that year that you have to be an inanimate object because the whole situation sounds unappealing to me, but at least this way you're getting some entertainment that's changing each and every day and it's not repetitive. Nicely done. Nicely done. And not only that, I mean, I think there's some undervalue, underrated value in, you know, every once in a while you get come, somebody coming up with one of those little uh, uh, web duster things to get the dust off you. I bet you that tickles a little bit if you're a hanging <laughs> Hanging something, right? Right, a little little tickle action in there. Okay, I'm gonna move on from there. I did, I totally did. I didn't think of it that way, but I guess uh, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, I'm gonna get my head out of the gutter now. Uh, team Outlook not stating the obvious, saying that DeAndre Hopkins is going to produce. But what exactly do you expect out of the Houston offense this year and its parts? I know a lot are scared to draft uh, Watson, maybe expecting a little bit of regression. But can I get a quarterback in the seventh that has multiple four touchdown week upside? Am I really overspending if that's possible? Is Will Fuller a breakout candidate? Uh, will that eat into Nuke's volume? That's Hopkins, of course, and will keep. Uh, see enough of the field to be a deep draft guy or early waiver wire guy. And sometimes in the fifth, I need a running back and I'm looking at Lamar Miller but can't pull the trigger. I feel like he could be a steal, but I'm afraid to find out. So a lot packaged here. So uh, overall high-level takes on the Houston offense. Yeah, I don't know uh, what where Deshaun Watson is falling all the way to the seventh round, but I, he's much more appealing there than usually when you see him go in like even industry mocks I've done. You know, he goes – there's always somebody that's really high on him. You know, there's like in the third or fourth round that's willing to take him there. Um, I, I've, ne- I've hardly ever seen him get past, you know, the fifth, sixth round range. So I don't know that you're really going to get him in the seventh, but I guess obviously there it's, a, it's much more appealing. This offense I do feel like is, is really highly volatile. Obviously with what Watson showed us last year, it was a great offense under, under him for those, that small stretch. And it is, you know, it is a very small stretch. I think we can expect him to regress overall, but still produce a really strong offense. And those are the type of situations we want to buy fantasy pieces in. The problem is, obviously, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, it's tough to know where to buy. Um, I think Fuller is is a possible breakout candidate, uh, but I don't know that I see him sustaining a ton of high volume. Um, he's certainly somebody that I think he goes late enough that he's palatable, especially in a best ball league, obviously. Um, Kiki Cutie's definitely appealing to me. Um, he's somebody that, you know, in a, in a dynasty rookie draft, I'd like to target. Um, you know, I think he can come in and win that slot receiver role over Bruce Ellington, who I like Bruce Ellington a lot as a player, but I think, uh, Kiki Cutie can obviously come in and overtake that. Then they don't really have like a tight end of note either. It was obvious through their draft moves, drafting a slot receiver like Kiki Cutie and, uh, another tight end when they did finally have a pick. 
that they want to be a uh, they they want to be a better middle of field passing game because he didn't really have anybody to do that last year. Um, I think their rookie tight end is worth taking a stab on in dynasty leagues as well. Um, and the running back position, you know, typically one we want to associate our running backs with good offenses in fantasy football, but Lamar Miller hasn't been great. His price has started to creep up. He, when he was falling into like that sixth round range, I was absolutely interested in drafting him. When he goes up towards maybe the fifth or a high fifth, then I'm, I'm kind of starting to back away at that price. And Deontay Foreman's somebody that I really want to draft, but obviously so much unknown with his Achilles recovery. It's been a tough injury for running backs to come back from. Um, so he's someone that I wish I could draft, but don't feel like I can. So I don't know that I really answered any of the questions there, but I think it just kind of goes to show this the volatility overall of this Houston offense behind a leaky offensive line and questions across the skill position players. Yeah, yeah, no, overall good analysis there. And I do find myself personally taking Lamar Miller sometimes in the fifth. I mean, if you're doing a best ball draft and you get, you know, one stud running back up top, right, and then you end up just the way the value works out, you, you get three, you know, solid wide receivers, you find yourself going back and looking at the running backs. And and if you don't take the, the Lamar Miller type right there, then and you, you move over to another wide receiver or tight end, by the time you come back to running back in the seventh or eighth, you're, you're still even overdrafting a, a Duke Johnson or something like that. So I'm okay just just kind of based on the scarcity, taking Lamar Miller there. You know, I think last year is also, you know, Houston's defense is just really bad, really hobbled up. I mean, you, we're going to see some positive regression there. I think it's going to put Houston in in more of those positive game scripts and, and less of, you know, basically, you know, playing catch up and, and putting Deshaun in a lot of situations that also kind of, to your point, kind of probably induce some of that volatility, right? So I'm, I'm okay with Lamar Miller and with Dante Foreman news coming out that it doesn't look like he's healthy. I think Lamar Miller, you know, is somebody that you can, you can, you know, he's an arbitrage play off of those solid running backs up top, but I think you can produce as an RB2 there. Um, redraft, I know Jamison Crowder should maintain value, but it will be, uh, will it be Paul Richardson or Josh Doxson taking the downfield work? This is a great question. Um, Washington's passing offense has never really had a funnel receiver in any of the time that Jay Gruden has been the coach there. I think they want to be that way. Um, I think we should expect them to continue to operate in that fashion. So, But I think if somebody's going to break that mold and be the true number one wide receiver in this offense, I think it's going to be Josh Doxson. I like Richardson and Doxson as downfield weapons and in contested situations, so they are kind of redundant in that way in terms of their skill set. But I think Doxson has more potential to be that top overall receiver. You know, his reception perception was awesome at TCU. Um, not just his contested catch work, but he had a, the best, he had a above average success rate versus coverage score on every single route on the route tree. So I think if a guy's going to be a full field threat, again, that target hog of this offense, it's Josh Doxton and he's available really cheap. Um, I think people are disappointed by his early career, but the fact that last season was really kind of his rookie season and, and showed some flashes while growing into his paws um, I think was actually a good sign. Uh, so he's someone that is basically, I think you can get really cheap as a potential breakout receiver. And I've been drafting him on almost consistently every single draft I've done. Uh, I've, I've come away with Josh Doxton. So he's definitely somebody that's on my radar as a breakout candidate. And of the two, he's who I prefer. 
Very good. Yeah, it's one of those uh, – like I know this question was directed at redraft, but in best ball, I like getting exposure to, to both of these guys. You know, I, I agree with you. I think Josh Doxson is going to be the downfield threat. Um, in, in some of Paul Richardson inconsistency, I feel like some of that is predicated just in general on how that Seattle offense functioned or didn't function at times. And I think, I mean, if you know, outside of Jamison Crowder getting the underneath work, I do think, though, if there's going to be an actual chain mover with – with a potential really high ceiling, I think Paul Richardson, you know, with those uh, good, good efficiency numbers and contested catch work, I, I think he might be the guy that I probably end up getting the most exposure to, all things considered, in price and, and ceiling in there as well. Um, all right, uh, fuck Mary Kill for this week. We've got the interweb. So we've got Tariq Cohen, Gio Bernard, and El Duque, Duke Johnson. Yeah, I'm going to kill Duke Johnson here. Um, for, I like Duke Johnson, and you might like Duke Johnson too, but he's tethered to the Browns in a crowded backfield, and it's just never really – I don't think it's ever really going to come together for Duke Johnson. Uh, you know, they drafted a running back high in the second round in Nick Chubb. They have a free agent there at Carlos Hyde. So for this season, there's really probably not much rushing work he can get, and obviously that's going to rely a lot on passing game volume there. And with – the, with Jarvis Landry there, I think those two will kind of cancel each other out. They also have other good passing weapons beyond just Landry, obviously, and Josh Gordon, potentially David Njoku. I just don't think there's a scenario where Duke Johnson is going to be able to sustain much fantasy value simply on passing game work alone. Um, so I'm going to kill him here. And it's a tough choice between these two guys. Uh, I think I'm going to fuck Tariq Cohen for right now. Um, I, I don't know that I want to commit and marry him because he could just be another one of these versions of like a Duke Johnson that – this Bears offense looks right now like it's crowded with a lot of pretty good passing weapons. Obviously, I like Allen Robinson. I really like Anthony Miller as a draft prospect. Trey Burton's a guy who I think can absorb a lot of volume at the tight end position. And we're all, we're relying on an unproven quarterback to kind of fulfill all our hopes here. I think it's going to work out for the Bears offense. But I also think Jordan Howard's a really good early down runner, and Cohen's not going to necessarily usurp much of that that work there. So Cohen's a guy I'm just going to have a fling with right now. And I'm going to marry Gio. Look, it's not flashy, but I think he gives you more than, you know, um, you know, he's, he can come in and, and make this a potential committee with Joe Mixon, even though Mixon's the higher drafted guy. Um, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a marriage made for the lights. Uh, but Gio is definitely a guy that I think can, can be steady for you. Um, and, and going to bring home some bacon every now and again. Gio, I love you more than, you know, but you did me wrong, boy. <laughs> That's an old Crank Yankers uh, reference for all the kids out there. I don't know. Have you ever seen of or heard uh, Crank Yankers, Matt? I, I feel like they were the like the show on Adult Swim that would come on like after my bedtime, but like I would <laughs> still watch like. I, I would see some of uh, of some shows on Adult Swim and then be like, oh, man, like I keep seeing this commercial for Crank Yankers. And maybe I'm totally wrong here, but I definitely remember the name of the show, but could not say that I ever watched much of it. You're, you're almost spot on. You're right. I think it was actually on Comedy Central, but it, it was mm. basically, yeah, just a bunch of puppets. That's what it, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it was a it bunch is. of puppets with comedic ba- voices on the background, and they would basically just prank different different plays. Adam Carolla was on there. TJ uh, uh, Morgan. What's it? Tracy. Casey Morgan was in there. Just some really funny stuff. I, I've still got an old uh, CD. I'm going to have to play that when the kids aren't around here. Uh, definitely when the kids aren't around. <laughs> Moving on. Dynasty, Rex Burkhead or Tyrell Williams? I'm going to go with Rex Burkhead here pretty confidently. I like Tyrell Williams as a player, but he could easily be just one of those guys who flashes once and then, you know, he's on a team that didn't invest much in him and they have invested in other players 
at the wide receiver position. So despite the fact I like Tyrell Williams as a player, I'm going to go with Rex Burkhead because I think he's going to be a much more relevant player this season and honestly probably going forward in a good offense that has sunk some value into him. Uh, also, Dynasty, Jamal Williams and Will Fuller or Sammy Watkins. I wonder if this still deal is still on the table by the time we're recording here. Uh, we've got that Aaron Jones news that came out. So uh, what say you? Yeah, I know that, I mean, Watkins right now is somebody that I've been interested in drafting, uh, especially because I think he and Tyreek Hill could be close in redraft value, but their prices aren't particularly close. The Kansas City offense is tough to uh, figure out. Um, I think Watkins can have a better season than he had last year with LA, with LA because they're going to move him around, not just stick him at X receiver. That was definitely something I highlighted in, in his reception perception sample that really hindered his overall success rates was the fact that he was just isolated at X receiver all, all season. But at the same time, I think for fantasy, I'm going to go with the potential feature back here in Jamal Williams. I was drafting Aaron Jones here and there before the suspension, and I probably still will draft Aaron Jones in best ball formats especially. Um, but Jamal Williams just profiles as a guy who the coaches were really confident in giving a lot of rushing work and a lot of passing game work to last season. He profiles as a guy that is, you know, steady, not going to bust a bunch of big runs and be a flashy guy like Aaron Jones was. And that's why a lot of people were on him. Um, but at the same time, like it's all about volume and Williams has shown an ability to handle a lot of volume and be a solid fantasy uh, producer in an offense that was run by Brett Hundley. So I think the fact with Rogers coming back, Williams has a chance to show he can handle that workload early in the season. He's someone that I think we should all be really excited about. So I'm going to take that side of the deal here. Rotoviz fam, Jeremy Hart, Rotoviz Radio. Let me tell you about our friends over at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget. Whether you like best ball or superflex or classic managed leagues, there are drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slower live draft today. If you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at just $77 and going up to $2,500. Here is something incredible. Not a single Dynasty league has folded in eight years. New Dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Do not miss the FFPC experience, folks. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, jumping right back in here. Keeper question, Matt. Here we go. Hey, guys, I can keep three guys based on where they were drafted last season. No other uh, rules or stipulations. So we've got Gronk in the second, uh, Watson in the 16th. Oh, boy. Uh, Alvin Kamara in the 12th, Russell Wilson in the 7th, Zach Ertz in the 11th, Stefan Diggs in the 6th. Tons of value here. Uh, this league really should put another rule in here where, you know, maybe it's like a minimum of a 7th round keeper status of some sort. But I really hope this guy won the league last year. It sure looks like it. 
Yeah, right. Pretty stacked roster he's coming back with here. Um, I'm going to take Gronk in the second and keep him, even though it's the highest cost here. I think it's worth it. I think Gronk is in line for a big season with uh, so many other questions throughout New England's passing game. Um, I think Tom Brady's still going to sustain a lot of sustain his production this year, and that's just great for Gronk. Even though you have the option to take Ertz in the 11th, um, I'm going to maybe that, you know, people can disagree, but I'm going to take just I'm just going to take Gronk in the second and not look back. And then I'm going to take the two obvious ones here and go Watson in the 16th. Even if you expect Watson to regress, that's a great price. I expect him to regress. But again, if you can if you can get him in the 16th and maybe even, you know, potentially package him and flip him later, it's it's tough to trade quarterbacks, but enough people are in on the Watson thing that I think you can you can get potential good trade value for the, the 16th round pick. And even if you end up just having him as your starting quarterback, who cares? Uh, that's a great price. And, and then obviously you got to take Camaro with the with the 12th rounder here. Um, you know, first round picked all the way at the 12th round. That's a that's a pretty easy uh, no brainer. Yeah, with with you there across the board. I mean, it's it's tough too because he is in a position where it's like Zach Ertz in the 11th. I mean, wow, I'm getting like four round discount there. Stephon Diggs in the sixth. I'm getting a couple rounds of discount there. Russell Wilson in the seventh. Man, that's that price. That's an easy throwaway. And then uh, you know, it was interesting. I was wondering where you were going to go with Gronk there because I also kept him. But you're you're right. You got to pay when you could take the arbitrage Ertz in the 11th. So uh, I'd say it's a good problem to have. And uh, good luck winning the championship a second year in a row out there. Uh, Matt, describe the epitome of an awkward moment for you, and can you provide an example? So I I'm, had a tough time answering this question because I don't really have a lot of moments that I'm like super ashamed of. Uh, I think that's part of just being a person, especially a person that, like, you know, in media or whatever, like you can't like let things bother you too much or be like, oh, this is awkward. Like you just kind of have to move through things. But it's just not really a thing I struggle with at this point in my life anymore. But I would say like the epitome of an awkward moment is a type of situation where you're stuck in, you can't get out of, and you also can't like interject with, with two people who are providing tension to a situation. Um, you know, if like two people are fighting and you just, you can't really do anything about it. Um, Cause I don't, I don't necessarily like to feel tension. Um, and if there's usually something I can do about it, I'm going to try to intervene or get out of this situation. But the example that I provided for this is like, so my parents are divorced now at this point, but like when in like the worst times of their marriage, like when we would, the worst time to be around them, like they didn't like fight with each other, you know, like have these big blowups or anything, but like just the awkward moments where it was like, Oh man, these two people don't really want to be uh, around each other. It was like when we were on car trips, you know, and you're stuck in the car for hours and it's like everybody feels the tension. You can't get out of it and you can't really say anything about it either because it's your parents and, you know, you don't want to intervene. That was like the epitome of, of awkward for me where I just like stare out the window and be like, God, get me out of here. So <laughs> I think that was the best example I could come up with. Very good, very good. Yeah, an awkward situation for me. Um, I, I'll steal something from uh, Top Secret. So it's kind of like when you when you got a little snot in your, in your nose and and you reach into your your your. Uh, I'll say it like if I'm a girl, you reach into your purse for for a napkin or a tissue and you blow your nose, but then you're sitting there at a function, you got nowhere to put it, so you put it back in your purse. And then later on, somebody asks if they can borrow a tissue, so you go back in your purse to reach for the tissue and you pull out the tissue that has a snot over all over it. Like that's an awkward moment, right? So yeah, that's uh, that's what I got for you there. Have you ever seen Top Secret? That's another one for the kids. 
No, I don't think so. I don't think I have. So but there's like of, there's so many movies that I haven't seen. Oh, uh, that that's an absolute homework assignment one. So it's it's up there with like the uh, the, the airplane movies. It's that style of humor from the eighties. Um, uh, Val Kilmer is in it, and uh, just just a glorious, hilariously funny movie. So there you go, top secret uh, homework assignment. Moving on, Team Outlook. Um, I know there has to be some value from the Jets wide receiver game of late. Uh, which one will it be? I know Quincy and. Noon was supposedly healthy now, but Robbie Anderson really came on last year. I know it's gross, but your main curse always seems to be a hindrance to uh, overall fantasy production from other receivers in the team. Are there any worth taking a stab on? So it seems like Robbie Anderson is winning the highest ADP battle here, Quincy Anunwa being the arbitrage play. Which way are you going? Yeah, I, I'm in on Robbie Anderson at his cost because it hasn't really come up. I mean, I think we can expect him to regress from from what he showed last year uh, because I've, all of his touchdowns were deep touchdowns, and you know that's not necessarily going to repeat a second year in the row in a row. But that that is already reflected in his draft cost. You know, I think a lot of people have just kind of been waiting for the other shoe to drop with a potential suspension, and, and it might still come, but it hasn't yet. So I'm I'm still drafting him where he goes um, in best ball drafts or in uh, redraft leagues in general. Um, I'm okay with Robbie Anderson, and I think you can take a stab on a player. In best ball, like, yeah, if your final rounds, Jermaine Curse is still there, um, I think it's totally fine to take a stab on him. Uh, I haven't been drafting Quincy Inunua yet to this point, but it's a really good mention um, to throw him out there. This is definitely kind of just an unsettled receiving core, but I think Anderson right now is, is okay at cost, and the other guys like Inunua and Curse are worth late dart throws um, and, you know, be ready to kind of move with the, with the news as it comes. Very good. Yeah, I like Anderson. I like Quincy. I'll take them both and just, you know, like to your point in a best ball form, especially like the FFPC, you got 28 rounds to work with. Like take them both at a discount and, you know, getting Quincy a new one in like the 15th, 16th round. Like that sounds like a little, little to pay for some potential upside there. Uh, Dynasty Royce Freeman, a 2018 second rounder and Trey Burton or David Njoku, a 2018 third and Christian Kirk. This is a this is a good question and one I didn't have like a, a real strong pull either way, but I I think I'm going to end up going Royce Freeman a 2018 second and uh, Trey Burton here um, because I, while the, in the second trade the the player that I like the most is Christian Kirk, um, but I think there's probably a chance in the second round of a 2018 draft that you could actually still end up with Kirk. He's maybe he ends up going in the late first round or whatever, but. I like the potential of Royce Freeman as a potential starting running back. Um, and honestly, I think I like Trey Burton better than David Njoku this year and probably going forward as long as Burton doesn't have any hangups in his first year as like a true starter. Uh, I think he can be a better fantasy tight end than David Njoku. I like Njoku, but um, he's still potentially the third uh, pass catching target there in Cleveland. And that's, you know, not proven itself to be a big time fantasy role. You know, as long as Josh Gordon and uh, Jarvis Landry are healthy, they're both going to push for 100-plus targets and probably by a, a pretty good gap, and that doesn't leave much for a player like David Njoku. Uh, so give me a potential starting running back, another second-round pick, and a guy who I think is better than the tight end in the other deal there uh, with Trey Burton. Yeah, I'm with you here as well. I, you know, geez, I like Christian Kirk. 
eventually. I like Njoku eventually. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're trading for these guys at their ceilings, I think, at least specifically with Njoku, where you've already got guaranteed workload for Freeman here and, and Burton. So I'll, I'll take that side. Uh, Matt, if you were the new CEO of the fantasy industry, what would be your first three initiatives? Okay, so initiative number one is I'm going to put order all major media outlets to push more fantasy, more funding into their fantasy departments, and I'm going to eliminate free labor um, because I think I've so I've, I've spent three years doing this as like my the only source of income, you know, working at NFL.com uh, and was you know a part time blogger and freelancer before that. And if there's one thing I've learned doing this job and working in this industry is that it's really easy to get into the house. But it's really hard to get a seat at the table. And by that, I mean like a full-time job where this is the only thing you're doing and all you're doing is analyzing and talking about fantasy football or working in the industry in some fashion. That is really, it's really, really hard to do that. But it's really easy to like get some followers on Twitter, you know, get a part-time job where you're working more hours than you're getting paid for or whatever. So I want to try to cut that out. I want to try to expand. I want to try to, you know, not just pack more people into the house because we've got plenty of people packed in the house and plenty of people that can honestly get, get in. I want to get more seats at that table. And I think that's the way to do it. Second initiative. I'm going to cut gift usage on Twitter by 70%. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know this seems stupid, but I think we have reached a point of like gift overload where I see people like just communicating in gifts and it sucks. And like, I, I understand gifts can be funny and I think gifts are funny but like people use gifts way too much and like in stupid ways that don't make any sense. And it's been something that's annoyed me over the past year that I don't really tweet about. Cause I'm not like one of those people that just wants to be like, here's something that's bothering me because nobody cares. But on this <laughs> podcast right now, I'm going to say it. we're going to cut gift usage by 70%. And third initiative, I'm going to just find my replacement because look, if you've got to know what you're good at as a person, especially if you're going to be a CEO type and I'm not a good CEO type, I can't run things. I don't know anything about that. So I'm just going to find my replacement. That'll be my third initiative. I've done two things I really wanted to do, which is get more seats at the table for people and cut out a bunch of useless gifts from awful tweeters. And then after that, I'm out, find my replacement. So those are my three dishes. Giving you a slow clap right now. Just solid. You know what? It's funny because you're, like, you're coaching me here, right? Like, I clearly over you. Like, I don't even – I'm not that active on Twitter anymore. I just don't have the time, right? But, like, when I do tweet, like, it's entirely too many gifts. Just entirely too many gifts. So <laughs> definitely going to cut that down. I, I love the successorship. I mean, anybody in any role that they're in should be identifying successorships. It's how we all get better. It's how we drive anything forward. And I think the first initiative is just solid. It's also going to take the NFL to stop acting like fantasy isn't what fuels, you know, 75% of his volume and I'm going to jump in on the Twitter game too because I'm also going to be unpopular here Matt but okay I'm just going to say it as well okay 69 it's not very freaking nice anymore okay we are not 12 (laughs) we are not 12 years old 69 is not nice all right like yeah we all like to have a 69 from time to time like fine okay but like if you mention 69 in a podcast or in written form or on twitter nobody needs 30 very nice replies like it's just getting well beyond the point of stupidity there i said it what are we 12 (laughs) 
<laughs> we really went, uh, you know, get off my lawn here with cutting out gifts and uh, and cutting out sixty nine jokes. You know, just coming back from this this trip I took with my girlfriend, we both did notice like, has it become a thing for like all hotels now to be like our rate is sixty nine dollars because every hotel is we're driving down we're like. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice rate. That's a nice rate. Very nice. And like, it's, I think it's a little more fun to do it in person than it is consistently on the internet, but, uh, it's weird. Yeah. Like every hotel right now, I mean, you know, cheaper hotels, obviously not the one we were staying at, but like, yeah, just, just nice, nice, nice all the way around. It's subliminal advertising is what it is. Like, oh, look, look, another hotel, 69. You look at, you look at her, <laughs> she looks at you, says 69. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> And you might Damn, that does, that does seem like a nice place to stay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. We're going to jump in with a uh, lightning round. Uh, better season overall, LaShawn McCoy or Christian McCaffrey? Uh, I'm going to go with McCoy here. George Kittle, Eric Ebron? Kittle. George, uh, George, DJ Moore, George Moore. DJ Moore or Deshaun Jackson? Honestly, didn't have a real strong pull on this one. Um, I haven't drafted DJ Moore at cost all year. Um, and Jackson, I think, is fair value in best ball leagues. But I guess I'll just go with Moore for the for the upside that he could potentially be the best passing game weapon in, in Carolina. But a lot has to fall right. But I'm just going to go with Moore here. Kenny Galladay, Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns. I think Hearns is one of the best values in drafts right now. Pierre Garçon or Randall Cobb? I'm going to go with uh, – this one was tough because I like both these guys at value. I'm going to go with Randall Cobb on the hopes that this – you know, him seen in a walking boot or whatever was happened in the last couple weeks is no big deal because he was someone I really liked his value in drafts heading into this year. Larry Fitzgerald or the brand Juju Smith-Schuster? Uh, Fitz, pretty, pretty confidently. Michael Thomas or OBJ? Uh, I'm going to go with Beckham, even though we, we said Thomas could produce at that similar level earlier. Uh, and I do believe that I think I'm going to go with Beckham. Uh, he's just, you know, I think he's just the, the one of the best receivers in the league and come back into an offense that could be actually be pretty good this year. Very good. All right. I got McCoy. I got Kittle. I got Moore. I got Hearns. I got Cobb. I got Fitzmitz and I have OBJ. I think we went the same way on all those. So, um, I guess I got to make these more tough next time. <laughs> take a fa- take a favorite or popular movie, Matt, and change one letter in the title. What is the new plot? What's it about? So I'm taking uh, Super Bad and I'm replacing the A in Bad with O. So Super Bad. Uh, it's now completely <laughs> it's now a completely different movie, um, and I think that's really all that needs to be said about it. You could take that a lot of different ways, but it's definitely no longer the same film. <laughs> it really just makes like the it, it's and rather than losing their virginity before they get to college, it's about I guess getting six minute abs before they get to college. And really, I guess at that point, does it turn into more of like a uh, uh, what? Oh gosh, why am I having a brain fart here with uh, Ben Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson? What's the model movie? Oh gosh. Uh- uh, why are we so stupid right now? A Zoolander. Zoolander, yeah, kind of would probably yeah. take on a Zoolander type of type of twist to it, wouldn't it? Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, pretty much just becomes like a uh, like a TV ad, uh, you know, yeah, sixty minute abs type uh, type movie <laughs> thing here. Like it just becomes like a strict workout video, and uh, definitely not as popular uh, as it was before. <laughs> they might have to get rid of Seth Rogen there on uh, the Super Bod one. Just going to go ahead and throw that out there. There, um, and I certainly could not. 
be in that movie either. Uh, moving on, uh, the next question is about rounds one, two, and or three redraft avoids. Uh, just give me one name, anybody that you're avoiding early on in drafts. Yeah, I have not been, um, I have not, it was not drafted Jarek McKinnon yet. Um, and I want to, I want to like Jarek McKinnon a lot. I just haven't found this, I just haven't had the stones yet to do it. I'll, I'll say it, you know, when, when he's going, you know, late second, early third round, um, even if I think he's going to have a successful season, when he's going around that two, three turn, you know, around players like AJ Green and Rob Gronkowski, you know, Mike Evans, even if you, and, and Doug Baldwin, like I want to draft pretty much all those guys ahead of Jarek McKinnon, even though, even though I'm in on his role in San Francisco and overall the idea of his fantasy value there, I just haven't taken him over some of those other studs uh, yet. Now I wish I had the stones to do it, but I haven't as of yet. Very good, very good. Um, I have, and you know, I just—it's one of those. Just like I know I'm paying for him at a ceiling. It was a lot better before the draft. Like when you were doing best balls before the draft, that's when you were getting McKinnon and you know, like the fifth round, trading away first round, you know, one dot sevens for him in dynasty all day long. Like that's fourth, fifth round redraft value. Like give give me McKinnon there, and then afterwards, he you know they did not get the running back, so his 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 price jumped up. I, I still have taken some of him but i'm with you there that there is just some inherent risks there that there are there are sure bets so to speak uh your most successful hot take ever and of course your biggest whiff so uh my i think my best hot take ever was in my first month of working at nfl.com you know i came in and like one of our head programmers you know who like runs the home page and puts stories up high and all that sort of stuff um I, he's a big Bills fan, and I came in and I told him, you know, to keep in mind this is before the 2015 season, before training camps have opened. I told him, I said, "Hey, Tyra Taylor is the best quarterback on this roster. He's going to be your starter, uh, and trust me, you're going to like it." And he's like, "No way, not a chance." And sure <laughs> enough, that is totally what happened. You know, he beat out basically everybody else on that team, and I think he had a damn good run as the Bills starter. And I think it was a great trade by Cleveland to get him, even if it's just for a bridge. So I think that was probably my most successful hot take ever. Um, was being in on Tyrod Taylor that year. Um, and I think my worst hot take ever had to be, uh, Richard Higgins. Uh, he was someone I really liked as a draft prospect. And, you know, I still think he could be maybe a solid pro, but I was totally in on him being, you know, a top PPR option as soon as week two versus the Ravens happened this past year. Um, and that obviously, I think for anybody involved did not work out. Yeah, what can you do? You know, we, we take some swings and misses. The good news on the Higgins one is, you know, like if you're going to have a hot take, have it be with a guy that's not going to cost you that much, right? That's the, the, way prob- to do it. The, the problem is, though, like after I, you know, you like when these things happen, but you would like them to work out. Like after that week two game, you know, when, cause that, you know, when you go through like the waiver wire, waiver wire cycle, you know, everybody is like, Oh, pick up Rashard Higgins, and oh, by the way, you know Matt Harmon, who does reception perception, was a really big <laughs> fan of him coming out of college. Dick, this is a guy you should probably be buying in on, um, and you know, constantly invoking your name, which is you know, which is great. You know, Evan Silva's tweeting about it. The ESPN Fantasy Podcast, you know, a competitor at the time is even saying, "Oh yeah, bring up," you know, they brought me up on the podcast, and obviously, it's great when that happens. Real bad when that does not work out. <laughs> well, we're going to put your name on the podcast again because we're getting you out there for a too early sizzling hot take for the 2018-19 season. 
I'm going to say Keelan Cole leads the Jaguars in receiving yards and is a top 30 fantasy receiver. I think he, I believe I believe this the first part and the second part is definitely more of a hot take. Boom. There it is. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV Mailbag, again, submit them via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotovizradio using the hashtag RV Mailbag. Matt, man, many thanks for carving out the time and coming on the show. Any uh, last minute plugs? Yeah, I mean, thanks so much for having me. This is always a ton of fun to be on the show with you, man. And uh, I guess last-minute plugs, definitely for now, check out Reception Perception and the Ultimate Draft Kit. Again, you can find it at receptionperception.com. It's a great value. Not only do you get all of my Reception Perception work, but you get all the awesome you know, traditional fantasy content from the fantasy footballers there. And just keep an eye out on what's coming at, what's coming at Yahoo. Uh, we're probably all going to be finding out together, so it should be a lot of fun. Very, very, very excited to see what's going on with Yahoo moving forward. Uh, can't say enough. Really pleased and uh, pleasured to see all the growth in the industry and you at the forefront. So, again, be sure to follow him on Twitter. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Please don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. And, of course, down your uh, gift game. And uh, it's not very nice on Twitter. Get off our lawn. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Fantasy Gumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on rotoviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. newly acclaimed newly acquired yahoo sports fantasy analyst you know and i just leave him standing at the altar in the november rain i'm, I'm very good at this that's okay you know uh you gotta gotta stay humble right and uh <laughs> you're you're just keep you're just keeping me in check like I'm, I'm sitting there like jeremy hello don't you know who i am no <laughs> that's that's okay man it's, it's all good things happen no big deal yeah it, it's one of those things you see it going around twitter all the time right it's like hey what do i need to do to make it in this business right like sometimes people need to see what do you not need to do to make it in this business and i am the epitome of an example of that so uh, i'm just here you know <laughs> spreading the good word you know just showing people what not to do someone someone has to do it man and it, honestly it's honorable that you've uh, that you've taken it up and i i appreciate it hope you had good time backpacking though where'd you go so we actually just uh, my girlfriend works part-time uh at a park high in uh, carlsbad and uh so she gets free nights at all their resorts so we took one down in, in scottsdale arizona for the for three days um so it was really nice we get to live uh life of outside of our means <laughs> for, for a few days there um so she gets like it's a free nights gets like 50 percent off all the food and everything like that so very nice uh couple days there that sounds absolutely glorious. You know, I joke with my wife that we go backpacking everywhere we go. Even if we're just going out to eat, we're going backpacking just because, you know, this is what happens when you have more kids than, than adults in the house. You go backpacking. It's, it's I was going to say, when you when you have kids, like, it's like you've got to bring all the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, oh, gosh. 
Ho- hopefully you guys uh, enjoy each other before you ever uh, think about getting to that point. Oh boy. Uh, I'm, th- I'm hoping, like, you know, I was joking with her to this because uh, I'm, I'm not ready for that life yet, like, very clearly. Uh, but <laughs> I was joking with her. I'm like, yeah, you know, my, my nephew is, uh, my nephew's like 15. Um, and I'm kind of hoping that, uh, I- I'm kind of hoping that, uh, that we, like we have kids at the same time you know he's 15 years old i'm 26 like i'm hoping that we like have have children at the same time that would be nice <laughs> there you go there you go uh, that's my goal i don't think it's gonna work out that way but that's my goal you got something right two two games for weed yeah smoking that doge come on man 